The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Tibaldo, CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The Wellness Community and Gildas Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at more than 100 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. Well, it goes without saying these days that living with and treating cancer can be extremely expensive. In fact, a 2011 study in the Journal of the National Cancer Institute determined that the cost of all cancer in the United States totaled $124.5 billion in 2010, and that's with a B. Uh, It's projected that by the year 2020, this will rise to a total of $157.7 billion. And this is just for the cost of care. Uh, Unfortunately, when families are dealing with these costs, real life for them does not stop. On top of treatment and medical care, there's still a mortgage or a rent to pay. There are groceries that need to be bought, utilities that need to be paid, transportation expenses, and the list goes on. And many of the people who are bearing all of these expenses are also sometimes no longer able to work because they're sick or they're caring for a loved one who's sick. And so on this episode of Frankly Speaking About Cancer, we're going to talk about paying for real life. When you have a cancer diagnosis, we'll cover the issues facing families today and their concerns, but we'll also talk about solutions and what's being done to mitigate some of these challenges so that families can focus on what's important, and that's being well. Uh, I'm happy to be joined today by two guests who will help us understand this topic and, and help us find some of these solutions. Our first guest today is Carla Tardif. Carla is the CEO of Family Reach, an organization helping families with a sick child or parent manage the overwhelming financial and emotional side effects of the disease. Family Reach provides immediate assistance, education, and outreach to qualified families, distributing millions in financial grants to directly help families in need. Carla joined Family Reach in 2008. Prior to joining Family Reach, Carla served as founder and president of CMT Entertainment, a nonprofit consultancy that worked closely with nonprofits and philanthropists to expand their reach and take their charitable efforts to the next level. She was instrumental in creating the Red Sox Scholars Program, raised over $3 million for Jocelyn Diabetes Center and created the Music Drives Us Foundation for car mogul Ernie Bach Jr. to keep music programs alive in the schools and to bring music therapy programs to hospitals and specialty care centers. Before founding CMT Entertainment, Carla spent six years with the Muscular Dystrophy Association in Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Boston. Welcome to the show, Carla. Thank you. It's so great to be here. My favorite topic. Awesome. Awesome. We have a lot to cover today. I also want to welcome my colleague, Dr. Joanne Bazaglo, Senior Vice President of Research and Training here at the Cancer Support Community. Uh, Joanne leads, leads several research initiatives at the Cancer Support Community, including the Cancer Experience Registry, which we're going to talk about, which collects information from patients and caregivers on the physical, social, emotional, and financial impact of a cancer diagnosis to inform future priorities and in research innovative programs and health policy. A little bit of about Joanne. She's a behavioral health researcher and a clinical psychologist with extensive experience in the development and evaluation of theoretically guided interventions designed to help patients cope with the complex challenges associated with cancer. Before arriving at the cancer support community, she was the deputy director of the Fox Chase Cancer Center's NCI-funded behavioral research core facility. Joanne received her doctorate at Temple University and completed a postgraduate fellowship in health services research and development at the VA Medical Center in 
Philadelphia. In addition, she trained at the Center for Cognitive Therapy at the University of Pennsylvania and at Friends Hospital in Philadelphia. Hi, Joanne. Hi, Kim. Hi, hi Carla. I'm so glad to be here to talk about such an important topic. Great. Well, let's jump right in, Carla. I want to start with you. Um, give, give us an overview. Give us the reality of what families impacted by cancer are facing every day. You know, I, I am so glad that this topic is finally starting to get recognized. Family Reach is in our 20th year. We're celebrating our 20th anniversary this year. So we've been at this a long time, and for the longest time, you know, you talk about cancer, this financial piece wasn't, you know, wasn't, Nobody realized it, nobody talked about it, nobody thought about it. So just the fact that it is now part of the conversation um, is a huge leap forward, and I feel like now is when we can really start to implement some change because people are starting to get it. So to answer your question, you hear a lot about the financial crisis of cancer, financial toxicity, financial burdens, but what that really means for a patient who's in it When it's a child that's sick, one parent needs to stop working. Income is cut often in half, um, and your everyday expenses increase. And it's not just medical costs. What Family Reach does is cover those basic needs. Um, So what we're seeing is that families, the bills are all stacking up, and it's not just the medical bills. It's the rent. It's the mortgage. It's the child care. It's the food. You know, you listed it in the beginning of the show. So I think it's really important for people to take a look from above, a really high-level look at why this is happening and all of the different factors that are contributing to the financial crisis of cancer. Now, all of this is on top of fighting cancer, which is Mm -hmm. a really stressful, I'm a survivor. It's a Mm -hmm. scary, stressful, lonely place to be. So to be fighting cancer on top of not knowing how you're going to stay afloat um, it's really, it's a dangerous and debilitating place to be. So, um, Carla, we um, are going to drill down shortly on the quote-unquote real-life costs that we're talking about and, and uh, dig into some of these examples. But we talk a lot on this show about what is changing in cancer care on the medical and scientific side and some of the advancements that are being made in treating cancer. And certainly there's a lot of good news um, out there. But has this changed the landscape? Is this affecting the cost of cancer care and the cost impact on families? I think the, the good news is is that there's more trials, there's more hope, there's more options for cancer patients. So what, how we're seeing that effect on the financial side is they need to access these cares. That, that they need to access the trials. So, you know, I speak at a lot of pharma companies, I speak to a lot of corporations, and there are incredible facilities, wonderful caretakers, great breakthroughs, as you say, in, in cancer cures. For 60% of the cancer population that is struggling financially, none of that matters because they can't get there. And because they don't even think that these breakthroughs and these trials are something that they can access. Mm -hmm. Those that make $50,000 or below, they hear about a trial, it never even enters their mind that that could be something that they could participate in because they know financially the barrier is just too high. So that's that's where we balance all of this great news, but... It's not mm-hmm. great if the patient can't access it. Yeah, and Carla, I mentioned I want to bring Joanne into the conversation I mentioned at the beginning of the show when we talk about some of these real-life costs. You know, we're talking about the rent, the mortgage, the groceries, the utilities, transportation, childcare um, expenses. And Joanne, I know through the Cancer Experience Registry, you've collected data from thousands of patients and caregivers, including how cancer has impacted them financially, both in terms of the cost of care, co- you know, co-pays and, uh, you know, and, and uh, uh, deductibles and other costs, and also about these real-life costs that we're just d- discussing and really how these costs disrupt their life, their lives. Can you talk to us a little bit about that impact, Joanne, in the next, uh, you know, two or three minutes till we get to our break sure. here and, and, you know, we're, really what we're learning from the data? Sure. So we, we are really interested in understanding how cancer impacts all different aspects of people's lives and, in, in addition, how it impacts them financially. And so what we see consistently, you know, whether somebody has breast cancer, someone has something rare or disease, is multiple myeloma, what we see is that on average the people who are joining our registry, and these are, tend to be fairly educated people, is that they're spending about, about 50% are spending $250 or more 
about 25% are spending $500 or more per month on out-of-pocket costs for treatment. Okay, so just think about that. Think about how many people can really take on another car payment, right? And not mm-hmm, only that, mm-hmm. what's going on is people are living a lot longer on treatment, right? And they are taking treatment at more like a, on, a, on a chronic basis. And so these expenses are, you know, lasting longer and longer. And, and people are having to make trade-offs. And we see this, you know, about over a third are saying they're having to cut their grocery bill. Um, about a third are depleting their savings, about, you know, a little over, over uh, a fifth, you know, one in five are uh, borrowing against their retirement funds. This, is gonna, this has a real impact on, on families, on patients and families and their well-being. We also know that it impacts, you know, whether they decide to fill a prescription or not or whether they sort of half their doses because they can't pay for that. And what does that mean, you know, for overall health outcomes? People are, you know, doing poorer than they can be doing. And it's, and it's heartbreaking. And so, you know, so, can I just jump in here? Yes, you, yeah, Carla, we've got about two, we've got about a minute or two till our break, but please jump in, Carla. Yeah. Okay. So, so what you were saying is so spot on. We just did a um, a study. One of our thought leaders, Dr. Kirabona, out of Dana Farber, did a study that showed that ninety two percent of the relapses within that critical first thirty six months, ninety two percent of those relapses, which are tougher to cure were directly linked to those that had financial barriers. And now it's our turn to say why. Why? Because when their car is repossessed, they have an immune-compromised cancer patient taking public transportation, and that's, that's not safe. Their heat's been shut off in the dead of winter. That's not safe. Um, and, Joanne, as you said, they're cutting meds in half or put off filling prescriptions because they have to buy food. So that's why this, you know, the data is staggering, but I don't think people really understand how does that mean they have less chance of surviving. So we finally have the data where we can say the financial wellness plan is part of the treatment. The financial, you have to look at the financial situation. It is part of the treatment. And so we're we're talking about um, Joanne. We're talking about a physical effect or impact um, in terms of really affecting outcomes. And B, we're talking about a psychological and, and emotional impact in terms of this impacting depression and anxiety and things like that. Correct. Absolutely. What we've learned is that people are experiencing financial burden. These are, we're talking about people who are depleting their savings uh, or, um, or, taking, or borrowing from their retirement funds are two and a half times more likely to be at risk for depression. And we also know that people who are depressed have much more difficulty accessing good care and much poorer health outcomes. So I like what you're saying, Carla, about this idea that, um, that a person's financial situation, their financial wellness, and really assessing um, and making a plan for these financial issues needs to be uh, part of a comprehensive treatment and care plan uh, for someone who's been diagnosed with cancer. Um, we're going to dive in more. We've got a lot to cover uh, on Frankly Speaking About Cancer today. We've got two great guests with us. We're talking about paying for real life when you have cancer, where there's a lot of conversation about increasing cost of medications and co-pays and, and uh, deductibles, and we certainly know that. But then the whole other side of the coin here is about uh, paying for the rent, the transportation, the utilities, the childcare, uh, and the impact uh, uh, on a person's overall health and well-being when they're dealing with this real financial crisis. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're talking with Carla Tardiff and Joanne Bazaglo. We've got a lot to cover today. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle coworkers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. 
Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm your host, Kim Tibaldo. Today's show is sponsored in part by AstraZeneca, Lilly Oncology, and Insight Corporation. We are talking about paying for real life when you have cancer with our guests, Carla Tardif, CEO of Family Reach, and Dr. Joanne Bazaglo, Vice President of Research and Training here at the Cancer Support Community. Um, Carla, we spent our last segment talking about some of the challenges that are currently facing people with cancer. Your organization, Family Reach, really strives to provide a solution to these challenges. So tell us a little bit about your organization, about, you know, the process, how do people access you, and, and uh, you know, give us some of that foundation. Sure. Um, I think the magic of how Family Reach works is we partner with hospitals across the country. So we're a national nonprofit that works with oncology social workers in hospitals, again, across the country. And those social workers, many are assigned to a cancer patient from their first day of diagnosis. And they stay with them throughout their whole cancer journey. So it's the social worker that is identifying families that are in trouble. And they start to see families aren't showing up to treatment or, like we said, aren't filling those prescriptions. So they reach, they literally go online uh, to Family Reach. They fill out a very simple grant letting us know about the family situation, the type of cancer. They give us a little background on the patient. And they let us know the bill that they need covered. So Family Reach pays that bill directly and we pay it within 24, 48 hours because we found that when patients need help, they need it now. And so many don't realize that there's help out there. So by the time they ask or come clean or, you know, say, here's what my situation is, it's because their car was repossessed or because they're about to be evicted. So it's so late. So it's, I think one thing that um, we're really, really proud of is how we pay bills directly and we do it very, very quickly. And so tell us a little bit more about um, who, is, uh, who is eligible for these grants that you're providing. Um, is there an income criteria? What's the process? What, what is the level of grants or, or, or support that you'll provide? Give us a little more detail. Okay. Um, we, our guidelines are, are loose, and we rely very heavily on the social worker who identifies families in the deepest need. So we do not ask for tax returns. We do not ask for pay stubs. We, we know that where a family was financially before cancer is very different where they are financially now that they're in cancer. So we rely on the social worker to tell us which patients their adherence is suffering, their access to care is suffering, or, or their overall well-being, as you talked about, depression and anxiety. Um, so we, we rely on the social worker. Our average grant size is about $1,500, and we can help multiple times. Some families just need food, so we're stepping in with grocery gift cards. Some families just need clothing or toiletries or, you know, the little things, um, so we're stepping in with Target gift cards, Walmart gift cards. So we take a look at each family and uh, really critically and just say what do they need to get them through a difficult time. And, and Carla, tell our listeners, um, how are you funded and, and how much money are you giving out a year? Um, we're funded by, it's all private philanthropy, so we have corporate partnerships. We do a lot with the um, pharmaceutical industry uh, through the industry giving circle. Um, and then we have some events and grants, and we have some athletes out there running marathons for us, so the peer-to-peer fundraising is, um, is very effective. We're raising about $4 million a year. 
Um, and we give out most of that. <laughs> we yeah. really run, there's only, there's 12 of us here at Family Reach. We're um, a small but mighty organization because of the way we're set up to work with the hospitals. There's hundreds of social workers out there employed by the hospitals um, mm-hmm. that are stewarding our funds, so that allows us to be so lean. I and do does the individual need to apply through the hospital or social worker, or can they apply to you directly? They can apply to us directly. I have three social workers on staff at Family Reach. So if we get a call from somebody, what we call out of our network, um, that social worker always asks for permission, finds out where they're treated, asks for permission to talk to the social worker. So it's always social worker to social worker um, so that they can stay in communication on what resources Mm -hmm. the patient is able to access. And really assess maybe what else is going on in the household or assess what other needs might be present. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm yeah. really excited about a new program that we just launched, and that is the education piece is really important. So we've actually just launched um, a financial handbook, and this was written for patients and caregivers by patients and caregivers. So we've mm-hmm. collected this family council made up of families that we've helped over the past 20 years who come together and talk about what their financial struggles were, when they knew they were in trouble, what the biggest stressors were, um, what resources they found, um, when they needed help, and sort of what they wish they knew then that they know Mm -hmm. now. And all of this is captured in the financial handbook, and I'm thinking this is going to be a really great tool Good. For folks. Good. We'd love to love to get the word out about that. Uh, before I turn to Joanne, uh, Carla, um, can you tell us tell us what what your data shows? Can you tell us a little bit about sort of the hierarchy of needs, or what are the top three or or, or, or five items that people call for? Sure. Um, I think because Family Reach um, writes large grant size, you know, there's other nonprofits out there that um, help with the financial barriers of cancer, but many of them are doing gas cards or gift cards. So where Family Reach will step in and pay a rent or a mortgage, that's our biggest one. Sixty percent of our grants Mm -hmm. are for housing. Home is where they need to heal. Um, There's you know, cancer affects the whole family. It's not just one patient. So it's really important that we keep the, the roof over their head, we keep the house warm, um, and those basic needs are being covered. So housing is our largest grant. And is it only cancer, Carla, or other diseases as well? It's only, it's only cancer. cancer. Once I fix okay. this, Kim, then, yeah. I'll, then I'll expand other diseases. Um, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> uh, Joanne, um, I know that through your research and, 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 and interaction with patients, you've certainly heard quite a bit about some of these needs and, and what the challenges are uh, of, of the families that you're talking to. What would you say are some of the greatest real-life impacts that you're seeing um, that you're seeing through the data? Well, you know, I think we've sort of all already touched on them. You know, I'm just looking at some data right now, which, you know, say, you know, I'm looking at what people are really concerned about and where they're finding areas of real financial burden. And they're talking about actually co-pays for medical treatments, mm-hmm. paying for drugs. Um, you know, close to 50% of real concerns about the, how they're going to handle that. Um, and then, you know, we see in other ways, you know, when we think about treatment and what their concerns are concerned about, you know, transportation. You know, we, you know, we happen to, I happen to live on the East Coast, you know, where I can go anywhere. I can, it's easy for me to get to Comprehensive Cancer Center. But some people, particularly living in the rural parts of our country, those expenses of like, how are they going to pay to get to treatment? And this all impacts on everything that Carla is saying. How are you going to pay for really basic living? How am I going to pay for food? How am I going to pay for utilities? And among a family, how am I going to pay for, you know, educating my kids in college? I mean, you know, depending on where you are in your life cycle. I mean, these are things which are, you know, utmost concern to uh, patients and families. So, and Joanne, Joanne, let me ask mm-hmm. you this. So what do we know about the link? So what do we know about the link between these financial issues and, and, and somebody's sort of health and wellness? Or what do we know uh, about the link between the financial pressure and really how it's impacting the decision-making process and, and how patients are making decisions about their care? Well, that's an interesting question because when we ask that question, when we ask the question when you're making a treatment decision and we ask it in all different kinds of ways, the number one factor that people want to take into account is quality of life. 
right? Mm-hmm. Next mm-hmm. is going to be length of life. How long, you know, survival? How long am I going to last? Uh, last. Um, but ironically, it, people do not want to take into account financial costs. And yet, if you follow them over time, they're really burdened with the financial implications of their treatment. And they have very little, very few people have an understanding of what the financial implications are when they're making a treatment decision. So we're, they're interesting, we're in this interesting bind where people um, in general do not, if you ask them, they really don't want to take into consideration the financial implications because, you know, they're really thinking about their life at that moment when they're making a treatment decision. Mm-hmm. Doctors are not fully equipped to answer what the, what the costs are, what the burden is going to be for a patient because it's so complex. And, um, and yet, so people are really uninformed uh, and unable to make decision, treatment decisions because they don't, they don't have all the information at the time when they're making treatment decisions. Uh, so I think that there's a lot of work that still has to be done to make, to creating a much more transparent system in which, you know, in which, uh, patients and families can really make informed trade-offs, uh, as they, as they consider all their different treatment decisions. And Joanne, and I think we've only- that's why Yeah, Carla, please go ahead. We've got about a minute till our break here. Go ahead. Sure. That's why I think conversations like this are so critical, because if families think they're the only one in it, and people don't like to talk about their finances, period. It's not something we talk about. So Mm -hmm. if they can just understand that 60% of um, cancer families deal with this financial crisis, 40%... You know, many of them have to file personal bankruptcy. If they can understand in advance that this is part of a reality of cancer, they'll address mm-hmm. it earlier. I mean, 80% of the survivors said their health care providers never talked to them about cost of care. 87%. So they're going into this with blinders on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that, that think... finding is consistent with what we find, too. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Right that, on. That's... Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and um, uh, and you know, and we hear from doctors that they're not necessarily comfortable talking to patients about the financial matters. They don't feel um, educated. They don't feel like they have the answers, and that it's necessarily their area of expertise. So the question becomes then, whose whose area of expertise is it? You know, how how do we get patients connected to the answers and to the resources um, that they need to navigate these complicated matters? This is frankly speaking about cancer. I'm Kim Tebaldo. We've got to take a quick break. We're going to be back with Carla Tardif, CEO of Family. Reach and Joanne Bazaglo, Senior Vice President of Research and Training at the Cancer Support Community. We've got a lot more to cover about the financial impact of a cancer diagnosis on patients and families, and a lot more resources and information that we want to provide to our listeners. So uh, we're just going to take a quick break here. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. 
We're back with Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm your host, Kim Tibaldo. Today's show is sponsored in part by Bristol-Myers Squibb, Novo Cure, and Taiho Oncology, Inc. Today's guests are Carla Tart of CEO of Family Reach and Dr. Joanne Bizzoglo, Senior Vice President of Research and Training here at the Cancer Support Community. Um, Carla, I want to start this segment with you. Joanne has brought up some, some great data points that she's collected uh, from patients through our cancer uh, experience registry. And again, I think it's so important for all of us to bring the data uh, on this conversation. And we have a, certainly a lot of anecdotal stories um, that are very, very powerful, but I think we have to bring the stories coupled uh, with the data. I know you have some data uh, 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 from oncologists. We started to touch on this a little bit, Carla, before the break, but tell us what you know, what you're hearing from oncologists. What can you share? Yeah, and I just I want to give you just a big, broad um, statement that came out at the and through the Commonwealth Fund. This was in 2014. The United States is the wealthiest country in the world, and we have among the worst health outcomes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that is because we don't address the whole patient, the whole family. You can't just address the disease because people need more than that. So I think that's what we're here talking about, great advances in cancer, but now we need to look at the person and the family and understand what, what we need to do to support them so that they can, you know, access all the medical advances and get on the other side of cancer. So that's that I love to talk about because we're so, you know, we're so proud of all these advances, but we're missing a really key piece of it. Um, another stat I like a lot is the average out-of-pocket medical expense is $34,000 a year. I think... Um, Joanne mentioned that earlier. The average family income per year is $52,000. So just doing the math, we can't afford to get cancer. No, no, no. I know a patient, uh, we we were asking patients, you know, we do some workshops about managing the cost of care, and we said to uh, patients in one of the workshops, what do you want others to know? who've just been diagnosed with cancer, and one of the, the women, women piped in and said immediately, tell them they are going to go into debt, that they yeah. need to know <laughs> that they are going to go into debt, that this is a fact of cancer care in America. And it really kind of broke my heart um, a little bit that that's, you know, we've got so, so, so much rich and wonderful information to share, but that was the most important piece of advice that she thought people should know, and that, frankly, no one was telling them. Um, so, you know, I, I, um, I think it's, I think it's critical and we do know, you know, we hear from the doctors that they don't like to talk about this. They don't feel that they're educated on it. They don't feel like they have the answers for patients. And I think that some doctors have also said that they don't, you know, they don't want this to bias their decision-making and, um, you know, to, to guide a patient towards maybe a suboptimal treatment option, um, because of, you know, concerns about, uh, you know, concerns about finances. So, so Joanne, um, Tell us what, uh, what you're hearing from, from the medical community, from the docs and the oncologists, and how, the, how does this relate to what we're hearing from patients and some of the data that you referenced in the last segment? Well, you know, I, I, I want to sort of reiterate what you've just said, is that doctors really don't feel comfortable talking about finances with their patients. They feel that they've been trained, you know, to understand all the risks and benefits of all the treatment options and understand sort of the medical picture. And and the truth is they're not really equipped. Uh, you know, they're not really equipped. They don't know what the insurance is going to cover, what it isn't. And it almost takes a whole other specialty and expertise, maybe, you know, a doctorate in, you know, in, you know, managing uh, sort of an understanding the costs uh, for each, for each treatment option. And, um, it, and there really isn't, I mean, very few, if we really look at where cancer care is being delivered, so much of it is being delivered in the community, not in comprehensive cancer centers that may have, that most that may have a social worker, but many places don't. And so, you know, patients are really left out in the lurch and um, are not able to plan. And I hear this over and over from lots of interviews and focus groups. What you hear is that what patients want to have a chance at least to plan, right? To have some mm-hmm. understanding of what to expect. And, you know, the, many of them really don't. And I think that that's a real gap in care. And I'm thinking what Carla was saying, and you've got to treat the whole person. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think that, you know, you, 
it's, you know, get, having a cancer diagnosis and living through treatment is overwhelming, right? You're, mm-hmm. It's overwhelming. It's scary. There are new words. There's new language uh, just to figure it out. And then you have going through chemotherapy or radiation. These things are debilitating. And then have to take on as well an end, understanding of the financing of this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's asking a lot of the patient. And I think mm-hmm. we have to come up with innovative solutions in how to make sure that we have a transparent system and that all people have access to good care. So, Carla, we've talked a lot about the problems, the challenges. We've talked a lot about the data. Let's talk more about the solutions. So maybe for folks who are just joining us, take a moment to let folks know about your organization, Family Reach, and how they access the resources that you have available, what you help with, but also what, what, what other resources do you have, other ideas or thoughts about how folks can lighten their load right now if they're facing some of these challenging issues, Carla? Yes, fantastic. I love talking about solutions. Um, so the biggest thing is the awareness. And as we talked about, doctors are not talking to their patients about this financial piece of their treatment. And the flip side of that is patients are not talking to their doctors about it because they're afraid that if they even give any inclination that there might be some financial concerns, they won't get the same treatment or they won't get the, you know, the best that's going to give them a better chance of getting on the other side of the disease. So if families can understand that that is not the case and they need to speak up, they need to speak up early. And I, again, I said this earlier, I'm a cancer patient. I know that how overwhelming that can be. Bring your most outspoken family member with you to appointments. Bring a friend. Bring somebody that can be there to ask questions you might have trouble asking, to hear the answers. <laughs> because there are resources that you can have. I learned so much bringing this family council together. I heard one, so I had about eight families sitting around the table that have all been through it, many, many years of cancer treatment. One family said, and this is a a single mom who I actually got out of a homeless shelter. Her son was 18 months, he was first diagnosed with leukemia, did two years treatment, was was in remission for nine months, relapsed. She had nothing, she had depleted everything. She was in a homeless shelter for two years. So when her son, and that's when she finally admitted it, the hospital called us, we got her out of that situation. Um, But she said to this group, I went to the hospital business office and said, I need to set up a payment plan. Every single family at that table said, oh, my God, I didn't know you could do that. Mm-hmm. And one, one gentleman even said, I probably wouldn't have had to sell my house if I had known that. So simple things, set up a payment plan with your hospital. Where, what drugs are you? You've probably talked about this on your show before. These mm-hmm. pharmaceutical companies have fantastic copay assistance, drug assistance programs mm-hmm. that they're really struggling to get patients to know about. Um, yes. We have stories where this $2,400 pill now costs $10. So yes. there, it's, it's hard. You're overwhelmed, as Joanne said, but there are resources. Bring somebody with you that can ask these hard questions and can hear the answers. So, Joanne, um, uh, got a couple minutes here until, uh, until our break, but any, anything else you want to contribute about solutions? And Carla's given us a very good list of, uh, of solutions, and, you know, we have a program called uh, Coping with the Cost of Care that lists a lot of the resources uh, that, uh, 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 that Carla's mentioning here. But, um, but also, Joanne, what advice would you give to patients who might be trying to decide between an expense related to cancer treatment and, 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 and some of the real-life expenses that we're talking about. How, you know, what's the process for decision-making, for the trade-offs that they're facing, for prioritization, any, any broad advice that you can give to listeners about that? Well, I love what Carla is saying, and I, love, I loved hearing that, how patients can be learning from other patients. And I remember going mm-hmm. down to Knoxville, Tennessee, to our cancer support community there, and talking about these issues, and they said, you know, I came to the cancer support community, uh, and, I t- and I was talking to a bunch of pa- all these patients that became like my family, and I learned, I learned from there that there's a uh, utility assistance program, you know, and I could call there mm-hmm. and get help. It's amazing how when you have support and um, from other people who are going through it, how that in and of itself can make a difference. There's another, I'm going to also 
plug another one of our wonderful resources, which is we can get through our helpline at no cost, is you can speak to a counselor. We call this program Open to Options that can help you think through the questions you have with, before you meet with the doctor about treatment decisions. And I think give you some confidence and help prepare a list of questions for you um, so that you can come in and, you know, it is hard to talk about financial issues with anybody. And I think the kind of program, the programs that are out there at no cost to patients, one of them is open to options through our helpline, is a way that you can get some of that confidence to talk to your doctor. I think Carla said that so eloquently. The sooner you can sort of open up, there are ways in which you can sort of think about payment plans and other ways to sort of control control some of the financing. Yeah, and I'll just uh, I'll let folks know if they want to grab a, uh, a pen, if you're listening and uh, you want the number for that helpline, uh, you can call right now. It's uh, 888-793-9355, and uh, you can ask for an open-to-option session if you're having trouble with some decision-making or prioritization. Um, we also do have a financial counselor on that line who can help you. Uh, with uh, navigating some of the resources, and we're happy to do some of the legwork for you in finding some of the resources that may be available, pointing you to Carla's group, pointing you to some of the pharmaceutical programs, some of the copay assistance foundations uh, that are out there. We certainly have a great knowledge and expertise about many of these resources, and we're happy to do the legwork for you if you give us a call at 888-793-9355. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm Kim Tibaldo. Uh, we'll be back. We have a, a, a lot more to cover with Carla Tardif and Joanne Bazaglo. Um, we're, we're talking about the real life costs of dealing with a cancer diagnosis and the financial impact. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're going to take a quick break. Don't Get go the news away. on our shows we'll right and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. People living with breast cancer often find it difficult to ask for help. And many of the people in their lives want to help, but don't know how. During National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Cancer Support Community is proud to support Meal Trains, sponsored by Magnolia, which utilizes Mealtrain.com, a free shared online calendar, to streamline the process of giving and receiving meals for families coping with breast cancer. Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific meal trains this October. To learn more, visit Mealtrain.com slash MMT and enter the code MAGNOLIAB or visit us at CancerSupportCommunity.org. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. We're back with Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm your host, Kim Tibaldo from the Cancer Support Community. Today's show has been sponsored by Celgene Corporation, EMD Serono, and Takeda Oncology. We're closing our show on paying for real life when you're already paying for cancer treatment with our guest Carla Tardif, CEO of Family Reach, and Dr. Joanne Bazaglo, Senior Vice President of Research and Training at the Cancer Support Community. Carla, we've talked about the problems facing families, some of the solutions um, that are out there. Do you, um, do you have a, a story that maybe you could share to further sort of illustrate the needs and solutions and maybe also give us your website uh, or an 800 number of ways that folks can find you? Sure. Um, go to familyreach.org. And if you want to access that financial handbook that I mentioned, you can do yes. that through our website, familyreach.org backslash financial slash edu. Um, but if you just go to familyreach.org, you'll be able to find that financial mm-hmm. um, handbook with a lot of helpful information in it. You know, I think early on when I, when I first really got started to get entrenched into this. I met a little boy in Phoenix, Arizona, who um, just at three years old was battling two different types of cancer, and his body could not take any more chemotherapy. He had had cancer since he was born. 
Um, and this is, a, I, I had a, a small child at the, at the same time, so I could really mm-hmm. relate to this child. And there was a trial at Memorial Sloan Kettering that he was accepted to, but they were in Phoenix, Arizona. They had been completely financially depleted because of cancer. So I'm looking in the, the eyes of a, of a dad saying, there might be a cure and I can't get there. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember saying, I will, I will do whatever I can to get him there. And long story short, we did it three trips back and forth to New York. The trial worked. He's now eight years old. We watch him play lacrosse. And it's just one of those moments where you thought a financial wall was going to stop him from getting that cure that he needed. And that's just one story. And I know there are Mm -hmm. thousands out there. Yeah. Well, good for you, and and, uh, and congratulations um, on your great work. Joanne, I know you've shared a lot of data from the Cancer Experience Registry, really data from thousands of patients who've joined that registry. Maybe tell our listeners um, how they can join the registry, and really, what is the benefit of doing that? Oh, thank you for that question, Kim, because I'm passionate about the Cancer Experience Registry. So the Cancer Experience Registry is for Anyone who's ever been impacted by cancer, whether you know whether you're in treatment, off of treatment, and also for the family members and caregivers, uh, because we know that they're impacted by cancer as well. And what we ask you to do is go to www.cancerexperienceregistry.org and sign up, and then ask a series of questions. Some of which are just about the topic we're talking about today. You know, talking about sort of the financial burden and. I think what's really important is that that people's voices are heard, that more that we can elevate this discussion, bring it to the attention of everyone, whether it's people who are developing programs to meet the needs, uh, people like Carla, um, to help really forge solutions, and also, you know, to policymakers. So it's a way in which your experience can make a real difference in the lives of those living with cancer. It's also a way that you can feel connected and be learning about all different kinds of resources that are out there because we share that with you. And also you can see how other people like you are answering the questions. So it's a way in which... Uh, you can you can sort of validate your own experience, and what we've learned we've learned so much, and there's so much more we have to learn, and really sort of fuel fuel sort of uh, the change makers in this country with 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 an understanding of the patient experience. And uh, again, Joanne, how many folks are in the registry now, and where can where can you go to join? Okay. We're approaching 10,000. Any day we're going to hit 10,000. We're hoping to get to 50,000. So please go to www.cancerexperienceregistry.org. And it's really simple to sign up. And uh, once you're in, you just begin to answer questions about your experience. And you can also see all the resources that we have available. And Carla, we've got somebody listening today, and they're, they're really, their back's up against the wall on a financial issue, the, the, the rent, the mortgage, they're having trouble putting food on the table, having trouble putting the gas in the tank to get to their care. How can they find you and, and, and uh, what are the resources that you have for them? Yeah, I just, I just want to say to them that we know you're exhausted. We know you're yeah. scared. We know, we know what you're going through. We say this all the time. We get it. Go to familyreach.org. Download that handbook. Our best advice to you is talk to your social worker, talk to your nurse navigator, um, find your voice, find your voice because you don't have to beat cancer alone. And as you've just heard us talk about, there's more than just the medical treatment. You have to take care of you and your family, and there are people around that are standing by and want you to do it. You have to find your voice. You have to ask for help. Excellent, excellent. Well, we've certainly um, covered a great deal uh, on, on the show today, and I want to, uh, I really want to direct our listeners to the many resources that are out there. So, again, I want you, uh, if you're having a financial need, looking for resources, your back's up against the wall, I want you to reach out to familyreach.org, get on their website, give them a call. 
uh, let them know what some of your challenges are and, and uh, find ways to help. Again, I mentioned that uh, we have on, on our website at cancersupportcommunity.org. On our website, we have uh, a lot of great informational resources. We have a program called Frankly Speaking about coping with the cost of care. And uh, there's a lot of great information in that booklet about the financial resources out there, about copay assistance, about the pharmaceutical uh, programs, about, you know, a host of resources that are available, even things like applying for disability um, and, uh, and those types of resources. So if you go to cancersupportcommunity.org, you can find our Frankly Speaking About Coping with the Cost of Care. We really want our listeners to know and others to know that you do not have to face cancer alone, that no matter who you are, no matter where you live, no matter what kind of cancer you're facing, we have support and resources for you. We have 53 centers around the country where you can walk in. Everything we do is free. If you're someone with cancer, any kind of cancer, any stage of disease, or if you're the family member or loved one of someone with cancer, you're welcome to come and see us. We have support groups, counseling, educational programs, nutrition, exercise, stress reduction. These services are free for anybody with any kind of cancer. We welcome you to visit us. Uh, You can find a list of our affiliate locations at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. I did mention that we do have um, a a terrific helpline. If you would like to talk to one of our counselors, you can pick up the phone and call right now. That number is 888-793-9355. Again, call the helpline 888-793-9355. It is staffed by a range of, of trained professionals, counselors, social workers, financial counselors who can help you um, uh, with uh, any issues that you're facing today and really get you connected to so many of the resources that are out there in the community, including uh, our friends here at uh, at Family Reach. So give us a call um, or check out uh, our, our website. We want you to know that you don't have to face cancer alone. And uh, whether you want to speak to someone, you want to go online, um, you want to walk in and, and get some face-to-face resources, we're here, uh, we're here for you. So I want to thank Carla and Joanne for joining on the show today. It's been a great conversation, very enlightening. Um, so check out those websites uh, and get connected into these resources that are, um, that are available to you. Uh, this is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm Kim Tebaldo from the Cancer Support Community. And until next time, be well, do well live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.